0: We're back on a Friday. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton not with us today. going to be back with us next week. I am live in Nashville, Tennessee from our 6th and Peabody studio with Old Smoky Moonshine Yeehaw Beer. It always feels like the weekend when you're here at 6th and Peabody. Kelly in Vegas is with us in Florida. I assume Florida is a place where it always feels like the weekend. I'm sure that's the case. Kelly Stewart on with us, co-hosting the entire show today. It is the weekend now, sort of, in Florida. Does it always feel like the weekend there, though, Kelly?
1: No, it always feels like happy hour, right? So yeah. I lived in Vegas for 15 years, and it always felt like the weekend because there was always people there for conventions, and they always wanted you to come out, whether it was a Tuesday or Thursday. I actually would argue to say Nashville is worse than Vegas. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is. If you're downtown am,
0: Nashville, it, feels like you want, it doesn't feel like a place where people work a uh, nine-to-five job when you're correct. out during the day. It's like everybody's here on vacation.
1: Yes. And honestly, obviously, Vegas is a lot more spread out than Nashville is. I always got to use the excuse of, oh, sorry, I live 30 minutes from the strip or, oh, I have to do this or that. I feel like if I lived in Nashville, I would never be able to use that excuse.
0: You just got to move outside. And then, you know, just like in Vegas, if you live in the outskirts yes. like me, then it's like, oh, OK, yeah, it's too long of a drive, traffic, whatever. I can't do it. That, that's how you make that excuse. Hey, there's no excuse not to go to the Outkick store. Right now, you need to do that because uh, the OutKick store is playing on a new field. That's right. The new OutKick store just launched. And to celebrate, we're offering a buy one, get one 50% off deal for a limited time. You can find polos, t-shirts, and more when you visit shop.outkick.com and score 50% off. All you have to do is visit shop.outkick.com, put the items in your cart, and the discount will automatically be applied. So check out the new OutKick store. And check out what Marvin Harrison Jr. is possibly being offered right now. That's our first headline in our Scorched Earth segment. Marvin Harrison Jr., this according to Christian Williams, who is a reporter, Christian Williams NFL, got a lot of followers uh, with a couple of different shows. He says in a post on X, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Travion Henderson have allegedly been offered NIL deals that rival first-round draft pick money To keep them at Ohio State for the 2024 season per sources, it's unclear if either will accept the deals. For Harrison, that's roughly $25 million next year, plus any endorsement pro-NIL income. Um, That is crazy to me. My my first question, Kelly, was, uh, did the Saudis buy Ohio State also? (sighs) I they mean, might maybe, they've, maybe they've elected, a, they've decided what program they're a fan of, and they've decided to put all their money into Ohio State Buckeye NIL because that is an absurd amount of money for one player for one year.
1: I mean, it is, but look what Arch Manning got from Texas, and then they didn't even play him. I think that sometimes these schools with so much money just want to buy a national championship. So they're going to go after it. I have no doubt that there's some Buckeye donors out there that are willing to slap down $25 million. Isn't it a tax write-off anyway?
0: Yeah, it is. I also think that maybe the offer, I, I, I have a hard time believing the offers, let's say 23 million or whatever it is for I think it's something that knowing that you're, that's part of your guaranteed money for the entirety of your rookie deal it's it's probably kind of prorated. I'm I'm thinking it's maybe a fourth of that, right? Based on a four or five year rookie contract. And then that say, okay, now you're getting that piece of it you would be getting. And then a year from now you're still going to get that cuz you're still going to be a top 5 pick. So you're going to get exactly. all that plus what you're going to make this year. I got a hard time even um you know the the rumors, the reports were that, you know, Tennessee for instance, again, not confirmed, but when they got five-star Nico yamaleava that he was making, remember it raised a bunch of eyebrows, he was going to make $2 million a year in his NIL deal. Now, that's a lot of money for someone who's never played college football. But if you feel like this is a difference maker at quarterback and you're going to have them for two or three years as the starter minimum, I don't think that's an absurd investment in a quarterback if you're trying to win a championship, right, for a college football program. 23 mil – for a wide receiver, even as great as Marvin Harrison Jr. is, that seems absurd to me, which, again, makes me think maybe Saudi Arabia is involved, and that's why this uh, you is You know, out.
1: there's there's a lot of absurdities going on right now in co- college athletics in terms of how much money is being thrown around, and look, knock on wood, you never want to wish injury upon anybody, but are these guaranteed contracts? I mean, your, your, your rookie contract is all but guaranteed. If you tear an ACL, your rookie year, you're still getting paid. But these... Probably, I'm guessing donors, NIL brokers, uh, basically are all but agents, right? And facilitating these deals for these kids, are we putting in stipulations here? I have to kind of wonder. I mean, I haven't looked into it much further than my own universities NIL that I've partnered up with because I do want... To keep and retain and to make the student athletes that go to my alma mater happy, I do want them to be able to have cars and nice apartments and things like that. Compared to when I was in college, the guys were scraping together change to go to Sterling Stockade on Sunday because the uh, the dining hall was closed.
0: I think it's you know it's a great point, and there's kind of two different levels of it: the a roster retention. You know, a player goes to K State or wherever and they've already proven themselves, they've had a good year or two there, and they want more money to stay, okay, you've proven yourself, you've proven your worth, it feels like you're somewhat loyal to this, this place, so let's make sure that athlete's happy versus just engaging in an all-out bidding war for high school prospects. And I think the example of where that could go south is at Texas A&M, where they had historically maybe the best recruiting class ever, and you start to look at it, and I think were those guys going to Texas A&M for the right reasons? Are these the right types of competitor that you want that's just going to the highest bidder? Or is there something there where maybe their lack of success the way they wanted it is in part, and this sounds crazy to people, but it's in part because they just outbid everyone and they weren't really looking at why is this person coming here exactly? And if it's just for the money, what is their motivation once they get that money? If they have no connection here, if they're not really in with the staff, if they're just not built that way, I don't know how to answer those questions. But to me, that's something I'm asking if I'm a coach.
1: I don't have answers to those questions specifically, but I think they're wonderful questions. I think that the culture that a lot of programs have set you got to find the right fits, right? When you're recruiting and you're going into these kids' homes as a coach and you're making promises, now those promises are attached with a dollar amount. And so do you care that you sit on the bench for a year? Well, you're getting paid anyway. Does it matter that maybe you didn't get the minutes that you wanted? I mean, if you're looking at the transfer portal alone this year and then you start to look at the NIL money that was associated with it, kids are just jumping ship left and right, I don't know how much is the money as it is the notoriety, as it is the fame, as it is the minutes so that you can have that tape so that you can get to the next level.
0: And also the benefit of being associated with one place and how that can carry you the rest of your life with business connections, uh, with alumni events, with going back on campus versus, hey, I really I got the love from this place. Now I want to go get love from somewhere else. And transfer and go somewhere else. And now I have kind of a split allegiance because I went to two or three different places. I, Again, uh, we could talk about this for hours, but I see the benefit of both. And if I'm a 20-year-old kid, again, yeah, I see how it'd be fun to re-enter the recruiting pool again and go take visits and be wooed by other schools, right? I mean, everybody gets the appeal of that. But I think the the lesson I'd want to teach, now I sound like a really old man sitting on my front lawn kicking kids off of it, smacking that kid again that was talking to Billy Napier. But if I was going to sit down and, and the lesson to me would be you don't understand the lifetime value of being associated with X school forever. That you stayed, you're going to get paid here also, just stay, enjoy the love from that fan base, and know that even you know sometimes fans and alum, they're going to love someone who stuck with it, even if it was bad while they were there in terms of wins and losses. Right. So there's a value to that too. I know you, I think it's tough.
1: I do understand that. I think it's tough, right? We're talking about 18, 19, 20 year old kids, some which come from money, some which don't. Um, And we're talking life changing money here, Chad, right? Like you can buy your mom a house. You can put your brother through school who maybe isn't an athlete or didn't get good enough grades. You maybe already have a child. There are a lot of extenuating circumstances. I remember when I was in college, a guy left early, ended up being a second round draft pick to the Denver Broncos. And he just got slaughtered for it. And he finally said to me, he's like, Kelly, he's like, I got to take care of my mom. She has MS. She had all these other problems. She couldn't work. So to get that, you know, million dollar signing bonus plus a couple million dollars a year was truly life changing money. And even if some of these kids are getting $250,000 a year. I'm telling you, when I went to college, which was about 15, 20 years ago, that shows my age. The guys all drove crappy cars unless mom and dad had money. They all ate at the dining halls. They didn't have extra money to go do things. They all either lived on campus or used their stipend to get a crappy apartment. I'm happy these guys are getting paid. I really hope, though, that there is some education behind some of it. Uh, As we've seen with NFL players, NBA players, uh, NHL, whatever, professional athletes, sometimes that money runs out and it runs out quick.
0: Yeah, it does. And uh, we've really seen it with quarterbacks. And this is one Dave Klassen at Wake Forest said this when Sam Hartman left for Notre Dame. Basically, I can't blame the kid. We don't have that much NIL money here. And if he's going to have an opportunity, he's already done a great job for us for four years. He's got a chance to go somewhere else and excel and make the money that he knew he was going to make. For that one year, it's tough to blame him. Cam Ward is going to be the next one. If Cam Ward ends up at Ohio State for $2.4 million for the year from Washington State, who can blame him for that upward move, right? I, I, I understand all that. I'm talking, I think, more about maybe not the quarterback specific, but the player that's been somewhere that is competing, and maybe not for a championship, but competing and winning. And that there is value of taking a check from that school to stay. And I think that's, I that's the balance, right? It's getting the coach and the, the NIL collectives, everyone else on the same page of, here's who we want to keep. Let's make sure they're happy within reason. And then those players understanding the value in staying and not just the value in leaving.
1: Exactly. But first, you have to explain that to the head coaches. Because guess what they do? They all jump ship for a bigger paycheck as well.
0: The only loyalty in college sports are with the fans, are with people like you and me that are loyal to a certain university because we went there or loyal to a certain place because we grew up there. And everyone that watches, listens to this right now, knows exactly what I'm talking about. There's no transfer portal for fans. Those fans are with it. They're good and bad. They're miserable when their team's terrible. <laughs> they're excited when their team's great. And they're not going anywhere. But you're right. Coaches, players. Zero loyalty right now, and that's kind of what the money does at times. The money also appealed to Mike Elko, speaking of coaches who left, leaves Duke, goes back to a and where he was a defensive coordinator before to be the head coach. So Duke hires Manny Diaz, defensive coordinator from Penn State. Um, I don't know what to think about this move, whether I am you know like it, hate it. All I know, Kelly, is that people in coaching really like Manny Diaz. Anyone I follow who's a coach says nothing but nice things about him, and they all seem thrilled that he's getting another opportunity to be a head coach after his stint in Miami.
1: Uh, this is where my allegiances towards my bets come into play. Yep. Manny Diaz has had some very questionable uh, play calls. He has had some really uh bonehead mistakes being made. So when he got the offensive coordinator position, I thought he fit right in. Him and James Franklin could be buds together. Uh I'm happy for Manny. I've also heard that Manny is a wonderful guy. Let's let's see if he can equate that to success. Now, here's the problem. Not everybody's meant to be a head coach. We say it all the time in the NFL, but we don't say it enough in college football. Sometimes guys are better clock management guys. Sometimes guys are better players, coaches. Sometimes guys belong in the coordinator positions. Going to give Manny a second shot here, uh, but I hate to see it for Duke. You never want to see a coach jump ship that quickly, especially the leaps and bounds we've seen from Duke over the past two years.
0: Yeah, no no doubt. Um, Duke's going to be interesting, though. I, I don't know. Mike Oko did a terrific job. How stable is it? Riley Leonard's in the portal. He's leaving, obviously a star for for Duke. I'm going to be curious to see if that's a hand it off, continue with the base that's been established, and continue going seven and five, or if it is a bottom falling out type situation that Manny Diaz then has to. To build back up. We'll, we'll see I will how it say, goes to Duke. I
1: think Duke is going to give Manny much more of a pass than the University of Miami did. Right? He was a winning coach. But again, we talked about some of those places with more money than God. The University of Miami is one of those. Because in the 90s, they had set a precedence. And unfortunately, they have not lived up to it since. So poor Manny, 21 and 15 in his tenure there, not good enough, got the boot.
0: No doubt. So Miriam Mashiri, who's with the BBC, uh, on a live newscast was caught coming back from break, flipping off someone, the camera person or the producer or someone else. And apparently people are mad about this. There are people actually calling into the question, the state of journalism, because someone on the BBC was caught doing this. Look. I think Miriam looks kind of awesome in this thing. I, I watch this and I laugh because clearly she's laughing and knows the person and she's joking around and doing this. And she got caught on camera there, but for the grace of God go I. because we have all said things around a microphone and Kelly, we just pray that we have good production people like we do here at OutKick that don't have us going live on the air when those things happen. So I, I am not offended by this in the least. In fact, I find it hilarious.
1: Chad, I'm not offended by anything. <laughs> like I, I, I don't care. I mean, what, what are we worried that a child saw this? I mean, what, what is the real concern here? Uh, actually, funny that you, I'm on a show now called Hot Mike because my old co-host, Cappy Richards, used to always yell at me. My very first on-air gig. Uh, we we're... On, in, on stage and always mic'd up at a, a hotel in Las Vegas and you know it's like hot mic and I'm like what's the big deal we're having a good time you're right we've seen other news anchors get cancelled by production teams so we are very lucky here that not only do we work for Outkick and we're allowed to have a little bit of fun but I think people probably need to lighten up it it be be a little different if there was some malicious intent there but like you said in the video you can clearly tell she's having a good time having a Everybody's good time
0: laughing. and whoever she's flipping off seemed to be enjoying it too the way the at least looking at the the reaction on her face, I'm sure they were fine with it too. So people absolutely need to lighten up. People need to listen and watch though to our next segment because Kelly is going to put her sports betting hat back on and she's going to give us some damn winners. That's coming up next. This is Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. We are rolling right along on a Friday afternoon on Hot Mike on the Outkick Network. We are live from 6th and Peabody Studios, downtown Nashville, with old smoky moonshine, yeehaw beer. Jonathan Hutton's going to be back with us on Monday. I'm Chad Withrow. Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas with us, talking all things on this day. Why? Because she is our special guest co-host all three hours of the show today with Kelly every Friday We have a sports betting segment with Kelly, so you normally see her on the program at that time. Now we get to that segment, even though she's a co-host of the show. Kelly, I got to start by asking you this. I don't think people ask sports betting analysts this quite that often. How are you doing this year? How how are things going? How, How would you rate this year, this football season versus other football seasons?
1: 10 out of 10 would not recommend, Chad. That's what the young kids say. Uh, The NFL has just been atrocious, especially over the last month. Um, I don't know if you follow any, uh, what I would call like behind the scenes guys that get good intel with bookmakers. There's quite a few out there. Each sports book has like their own guides. Like 78% of the tickets are on the Lions. 40% of the tickets are here, right? When you usually see that or when you used to see those tweets, you're like, if you had the opposite in the pocket, you were like, okay. I feel better about my bet. Now, I'm not saying you should fade the public, you should tail the public, but to know that you probably are on the opposite felt really good. Well, the last three weeks, if you were opposite of the public, you got smoked.
0: So uh, thank you for answering honestly, by the way, but I'm, I'm always fascinated by that because oftentimes it's you know th- it's always the next thing, and, and rightfully so. We're looking at the next bet. We're trying to find the next, uh, the next parlay we're going to play, prop, whatever it is, But I think looking back sometimes is is important. Let's look ahead, though. Also, Uh, NFL, you said, has been difficult so far this year. But you like the Cowboys this week? That is the game of the week. Cowboys, Eagles. You're rolling with the Cowboys. Is that right?
1: I am. And and the reason why the, the games that I chose this week were because, honestly, this is how you have to look at it. We had last night. Bailey Zappi and Mitch Trubisky. Let's just look around the league at, at all of the crazy backup quarterback matchups you have. So unless you have somebody who is very well versed in their power ratings and can actually articulate the drop offs appropriately, be very aware here. Do not overreact to it being a backup quarterback. I think Jake Browning proved that to us on Monday night. So I went with a couple of games where we know who's playing. Dallas being my best bet this week over the Philadelphia.
0: Kelly may have frozen Philadelphia up. Eagles except for
1: on my back. Okay. I apologize if You're the good. internet hates me today, uh, but I am going to take, or I'm excuse me. I'm going to lay the three and a half here with the Cowboys. I understand the Philadelphia Eagles were red hot, but it was kind of a farce. And I don't mean to piss off Eagles fans on the show, but you have to kind of admit they were last year's this year. Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota won all those one score games, 11 to be exact. And that's exactly what Philly was doing until they ran into a buzzsaw that was the San Francisco 49ers defense. You know who has a great defense? The Dallas Cowboys. I expect Dak Prescott to have a big game exploiting the Eagles' secondary once again. He's got to get the running game opened up here with Tony Pollard, similar to what we saw last week with Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy, but I expect Dallas to win this one by double digits.
0: Do you expect Sean McDermott to come up with a better pregame speech about uniting and coming together than citing 9-11 this week as his bills take on the Chiefs?
1: Gosh, I sure hope so. Right. Look, we're looking at a six and six Buffalo team catching just one and a half. Now it was two and a half earlier in the week. I think they are a perfect teaser spot. That means you take them up through the field goal, through the touchdown. Right now you can get them at plus seven and a half with another leg. We'll talk about here in a minute, but look, this is an AFC championship repeat and the bills. Guess what? they got a bone to pick. Coming out of this bye week, I expect to get the most from Josh Allen. I know there's a lot of people that are not Josh Allen believers. I am a Josh Allen believer. He reminds me a lot of Brett Favre, and I've used that analogy a lot because sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. Are you going to get a great touchdown pass, or is he going to throw a bonehead interception? Let's hope it's the first one here, but I'm excited to see if, let's hope, the Bills can sneak here into the playoffs with a win in Kansas City.
0: I learned today, Kelly, that you are a Broncos fan. You like the Broncos this week, too. Is that right?
1: I bet against the Broncos last week. I am not afraid to bet against this team. And let me tell you, I should not have had to sweat that that much. Last second play, Russell Wilson throws his third interception of the game. Houston covers. Boy, was that one nerve wracking. I like this Broncos team and how we've seen them progress And that is most definitely on the defensive side of the ball. This team has finally figured it out. It only took Miami hanging 70 on them. I also do not expect the Chargers defense to be plus three in the takeaway margins like we saw last week from Denver. Divisional road dogs all season long have been cashing at an incredible clip, Chad. I'm taking the two and a half here with the Denver Broncos. I also think they are an excellent teaser spot.
0: Cowboys, Bills, Broncos so far, unless you're going to bet on FCS uh, playoff games, not on college football this weekend, but you do have Army-Navy. Um, I don't know that you're playing anything yet on this, Kelly, but do you have one direction you're leaning in America's game?
1: Very, very, very slight lean to Navy here. Look, I do expect this defense to be the difference maker. They are number one in the country with 14 fumble recoveries. Does that mean that Army's going to fumble? We don't know. But I do like taking the better defense plus the points. We see this game be a knockout, dragout, fist fight every single year. Would it shock you whatsoever, Chad, for it to be a 21 20 final? And oh, by the way, that does put it over the total.
0: No doubt at all. Would not surprise me for sure. And I look forward to watching this game every year, at least parts of it. Uh, you can catch the fade with Clay and Kelly, Clay Travis, Kelly Stewart. Outkick.com, wherever you get podcasts also. How much fun are you having with that show every week, Kelly?
1: Oh, I have an absolute blast with uh, Clay. I think a lot of people don't know how long Clay and I have really known each other, and that's what makes the show so fun. There's a lot of uh, banter, if you will. There's a lot of gloating by Clay, and then uh, there's a lot of, uh, interesting topics and one that you're going to bring up on the show later on. I saw it on the rundown about can clay land an airplane. And I, we kind of got into that a little bit this week.
0: Yeah. We're going to have some fun with that too. I, I read this study and it's, uh, hilarious when you see the different responses between males and females about whether or yeah, not absolutely. just a, a, a layman, a lay person could just land an airplane with no pilot experience or training whatsoever. Um, how is clay as a gambler this year? I feel like his blood bank guarantees have done pretty well.
1: They have. And clay, you know, gives out his outkick six pack. Sometimes it's too many games for me. He likes to play a lot of totals. That's something that I didn't realize. And I don't think that there's a massive handicap that goes into him. Clay watches a ton of football. And he's one of those guys that if a team passes the eye test for him, he's going to go right back to the well with that team or with that total, right? With those Iowa unders, you and Hutton asked me about every single week. Clay was on him. I was too stubborn. I said, I've already missed the boat and it cost me some money.
0: Yeah, um, I'm a fan of the show. So I've I've noticed he has been doing better than usual, uh, but wanted to get your expert analysis on that. As a sports betting analyst, I've always wanted to ask you this also. Do you miss living in Vegas? Do you feel detached when you're not there? Or because of online sports gambling now being legalized so many other places, you feel like you could be a lot of different spots and be the same?
1: I'm going to try to not make this a completely long-winded answer, but I mentioned no, how please, long I've been Clay.
0: It's a three-hour show, Kelly, as you said We before. got all the time in the please, world. yeah, talk as, as long as you want.
1: So when I met Clay in 2015 was the first time I was ever on television. It was a wonderful time. We were at this casino in Las Vegas, myself, him, Todd Furman, and Andy Roddick. There we are for March Madness uh, at the time, being one of the only women in the space that could talk gambling. So then Fox said, hey, why don't you come to our LA studios? I said, okay. And they said, hey, would you, is there any way that like we could get you out here And I'm going, you guys, I'm not moving to LA. This was 2015. Nevada at the time was the only legalized state. And I said, you, you would be too far out and too far away from everything that I need. Right. And now here we are eight years later, and I have no desire to be in Las Vegas. Las Vegas is so small on the Richter scale in terms of sports gambling anymore. It just doesn't matter. And that's not to fault Las Vegas. But I knew uh during COVID when we were looking at houses that Florida was going to get legalized gambling. And while they took it away for a little while, they did finally get it back. And I said, hey, I think I want to move. I think I want to live somewhere else where it's not always casinos, where my only hobby isn't going out to eat and playing golf. Like I have other things that I'd like to do uh, with my life. Also the advent of the internet, Chad. Now yeah. anything is at your fingertips. Now I just call people instead of showing up to the casino. I think that there is a a whole world that has shifted. Now, if you're talking 70s, 80s, 90s, even 2000s, even 2010s, you had to be in Vegas. You had to have boots on the ground. If you wanted to get down any sort of money, you had to be there. You weren't even allowed, when I moved to Las Vegas, you weren't even allowed to have your cell phone in the sports book with you. the, the, The times have just changed and now they encourage it because they want you gambling on it. They don't even want you going up to the window anymore because then they have to pay somebody to take your butt.
0: So we're going to have Tim Barker on in the next segment, who's a professional gambler and one of the most successful in the world. He is based in Nashville. Uh, he he lives here. He's going to join us. We're talking about a, a, some, some fun topics there. So I am also curious about this, Kelly. If you are an actor, you have to live in either L.A. or New York, right? Or London, let's say. You're going to be in one of the scenes there. There's not a lot of activity where you're going to be uh, a noted celebrity or get a ton of work, unless you're in one of those cities. What is the second city for sports gambling if Vegas is number one? And does that exist? An area, a place, anywhere else? Or is it just simply someone like you who lived in Vegas for years, you kind of get scattered to the wind, you can go anywhere, and it doesn't matter. There is no second city.
1: I will say this. When New Jersey came on board, which was the second state after PAPSWA was repealed, I knew a lot of people that moved from New York to New Jersey so that they didn't have to cross the bridge and make gas station bets every single day. But at this point in time, I don't think it matters. As long as you live in one of the 30 states that has legalized gambling, plus Washington, D.C., Is there really a secondary city? I don't think so. I think Vegas still has its wonderful appeal, right? The Super Bowl is going to be there this year. They have wonderful golf courses. They have gorgeous sports books. They now even have sportsbook pools. It's a fun place to visit, but I don't think you need to live there anymore.
0: How big are you into college basketball betting, Uh, especially early in the season? People are always trying to look for The sport. Again, these are questions I've always wanted to ask you, and now that Hutton's not here, I'm getting a chance to do it, so I'm going to fire away with all of my sports betting questions. But people are always trying to find the sport that maybe, while Vegas is great at what they do, maybe they're a bit off because they don't have enough data going into a season or early season that maybe you can take advantage of some lines. Is college basketball one of those sports for you?
1: Absolutely. College basketball, you have over 300 teams. You have such small conferences. You have teams that sometimes during March, people are like, who the heck is that? Where did they come from? You know, and and then you have to do a Google search and say, oh, well, this makes sense. Now I've actually heard of this conference that just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, College basketball totals in particular are very, very sharp, Chad. And that's why bookmakers will limit you on those, especially the overnights. Right. So it's Friday 4.30 Eastern, right now, starting to populate the Saturday games. If you open up the odd screen, you're starting to see them hit. Of course, the bigger games are going to come up first. And that's because the bookmakers spent the most time on them. But those games we call on the extra board will not be out till tomorrow morning, probably about two hours before tip, unfortunately, because those are the ones that they spent the least amount of time on. It's really tough because you also have NBA right now. You have soccer going on across the pond. You have NHL. You still have college football bowls to do. You still have NFL and playoffs. There is a lot going on in November and December. So yes, I would say that that is the time to beat college basketball.
0: There was a time where online I would bet Draws in Russian professional soccer, and was I would it, just please tell to, me it was
1: during COVID.
0: I would get. I think it may have been, but I, Tennessee was have been. Tennessee was one of the first. I feel like to legalize, so I, I was in pretty early. But I would just see it. I'm like, I'm going to bet. I've I, I got on a hot streak, and it wasn't just Russian. It was different countries' professional leagues. Is there anything you won't bet that you look at the sport or what is like? You know what? I'm not going to touch this. I'm not going that far down.
1: Oh no. No, not at all. If I can win money gambling, I'm going to do it. If I have an edge, right. The, the, I probably shouldn't tell the story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. And they can, they can mute my mic if they want to. We love those So stories. yes. So one of the coolest bets I ever hit, I was uh, working at a golf course that just so happened to be owned by Billy Walters. Let's call it 2012, 2013. I don't remember exactly when it was. And I was uh, a female golf caddy. And I had a group of customers and one was a big Notre Dame donor. And he said, hey, I know who the next Pope's going to be. And I said, you know who the next Pope's going to be. I said, I'm pretty sure I can bet that. So I go on my phone and I look and there it is. And uh, I got pretty good odds on two guys. He said, "Okay, it's either this guy or this guy. And they were both plus money. And I was able to get a dime down on each. And to this day, it is the coolest bet that I've ever been able to make, Chad. And that is because I got inside information. I literally had inside information. So if somebody has inside information on Nicaraguan table tennis, I'm going to bet it.
0: And that is why you go to Kelly Stewart for gambling information, because sometimes she might know who the next Pope is going to be. I know who our next guest is going to be. We're going to talk a little more sports betting coming up. This is Hot Mike. We're back on Hot Mike It's part of the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow, live from our sixth in Peabody Studios downtown Nashville. Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas, co-hosting the show, all three hours of them today. And uh, we're joined by one of the most successful professional gamblers in the world. And he's someone from right here in Nashville. Tim Barker is on with us right now at Tim Barker Bets is where you can follow him across social media. He's even wearing the old-school uh, throwback Oilers ball cap uh, with the Titans on with us right now. Tim, how are you, man? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So, Kelly, I'm going to let you kind of kick this off, but it, or at least describe uh, the video you made for OutKick in response to, I th- I think it was a CNBC analyst who came on and claimed that Men were too busy betting on sports and betting on parlays and are no longer interested in sex. And that's somehow going to change the housing market because no one's having kids anymore. Is that what you were responding to?
1: So actually, I don't think it responds to anybody in our age group. I think that she was responding to those under the age of 30. And we've known that this is going to be a problem And I think they're trying to use sports gambling as a scapegoat. I think there's a a lot of reasons why not only do these kids, if you will, have low testosterone, uh, but they also play too many video games. They also probably smoke too much pot. There's a lot going on to it. But, Tim, I wanted to ask your question. This is kind of, like I said, a targeted thought process from this woman that somehow sports gambling is to blame for guys not having a sex drive.
2: Yeah, I, I can tell you, um, I think they are definitely targeting the degenerate group of guys that possibly in their mid to late twenties that probably don't even have the income to be doing some of the things that they're doing. And unfortunately that gets overlapped into kind of the stereotype that, you know, every guy that gambles becomes a degenerate, gets down on himself. Uh, loses a self esteem, you know, has income issues, different things, and then ends up, you know, having other issues attached to that, like low sex drive or other issues in their life that that are a result and consequence of that. So I think that's probably where they're going with that. Um, I think you know, to be fair, you have to do everything in moderation, and you have to set aside and, and be smart with the money that you have, just like you would with any other outlet that you have to me it's no different than back in the mid to late 2000s when they came out with Scott trade e trade and it was the big the big thing the day trade right and i think that is to me with all these states now adopting all the abilities to have the apps live every day and all of these males or females for that matter uh, on the apps gambling every day it, it, to me it's it's the same
1: process yeah yeah i re- Go, Sorry, Chad,
0: go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I mean, broke people hook up also. Uh, so I don't know if it's just a, a money issue or is it some sort of substitution? Like does does winning in gambling or, or gambling itself uh, feel that way for, for young people? I'm, look, I Look, I can't associate or identify with people way younger than me a lot of times. I'm just having a hard time following the the thought bubble with this analyst and what she's trying to say.
2: Yeah, I can tell you it's never affected anything on my side uh, w- w- in that realm. Uh, I won't get too personal with it, but I'll just say uh, we're all good there. And, um, you know, I think win or lose, if anything, I think maybe a, a part of it could go toward the attention, or, um, you know, maybe you're spending so much time dedicated to an all day Saturday of watching games or all day Sunday. You know, during college and NFL season, yes, there's a lot of time spent to that, but I can also tell you many stories of where you, you know, incorporate social events and incorporate other things for the gambling aspect that I think bring people together and, and, you know, allow for great events and and social environments that kind of predicate more toward that versus away from it. So I don't, I can't, I can't really say it away for everyone, but for my own personal experience, that that's what I would say.
1: But again, I think because we have that social aspect to our lives, I don't think these young men and maybe even young women of that generation do. I have uh, a lot of friends who have younger siblings who tell me that these kids don't go out to bars. They don't go out to meet people unless it's on here. And that's kind of the other caveat with this whole thing. Now that gambling isn't, we have to go to a casino with cash in hand to place a wager. You just attach your credit card to a gambling app it does make it easier but i think it's just another way for them to disconnect even further from society and i think blaming sports gambling seems like a very easy cop out here because in reality i agree with ten i think it brings people together i can't tell you how many gambling friends i've made in the the industry over i mean all of my best friends have literally come from gambling i know that sounds like a funny thing to say or media if you will and then have turned to gambling but i do find it being more of a generational problem uh and uh, being the lone woman on here i think i can say this i think porn is probably part of the distraction issue because chad you mentioned the dopamine receptors the, it's the same thing you 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 win a game you have sex you do things of that kind of nature it elicits the same response in a male's brain
0: yeah and it's it's also uh it's fascinating to me because uh, and Tim you can you can speak to this also the idea that sports betting is like this corrosive element of our society right and that it's going to uh, and I think what the analysis was not only are they not you know young people aren't having sex because of it but they're not buying homes. There's no, there's not as many families out there. They're not having kids, and it's going to affect the housing market. And people just rent now because they're they're gambling on sports all the time. The benefit of online sports gambling that that we've seen, you know, the different things that maybe it generates within our economy versus the, as you said, Tim, like the degenerate element of it. Uh, what's the ratio to that in terms of positive versus negative impact
2: i think it's all probably based around a number of things first i would say general in general income second their their intention behind it and then thirdly the ability to like any other potential addictive behavior turn it on and turn it off and i think if you're looking at it you know if you take that piece by piece you've got to set aside the funds just as you would anything else right if you're addicted to watching movies and you go to the movie theater three times a weekend that's your entertainment if gambling is your entertainment and you're just playing thirty forty dollar 10 team lottery parlays that's one thing if you're spending too much money that you don't really have then it becomes an obsession it becomes chasing after it then you kind of dive into that degenerate you know, part, of, part of it that, that's not good and never seen as a positive thing uh, at all. And, I, and that's where folks you know, need help and, 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 all, and all the um, facets we can get into that. But the biggest thing I'll say is, regardless of any of that, part of what I teach and, and what I try to, to encourage other people is to treat it as a business, as you would anything else, like you would the stock market, you know, look at it, study it. Don't just bet a game to bet it. Don't bet the popular game just to bet it, but, but do your homework, figure out what it is you want to do, and use it as another income stream. And then if you realize you're just not that good at it, or you don't have the, the, the you know, knack for it, then find something else or just use it purely as entertainment value and, and play your lottery parlays. And w- like Kelly said, you know, watch with your friends, bring it, you know, use it to bring people together. And like she said, I, I mean, a lot of my friends now and things I do events with are built around that. And so I think if anything, as long as it's done in moderation and done for the right reasons, it's a great way to bring people together.
0: Tim, how much work goes into being one of the more successful, one of the most successful sports gamblers uh, on the planet? What's your What's your routine day like? Did we lose so, him? Oh, there he is. Can you see me? I cannot, good? but we can hear you. So go ahead.
2: Okay, one second. I'm not sure what happened.
0: You can just talk. It's fine too. We can just hear you, and everybody can look at Kelly while we while we listen to you.
2: Okay, good deal. No, so so the biggest thing is, um, I think you have to 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 wake up every day and and look at all the lines, look at all the potential games look at all the ways that you can benefit from where Vegas missed. For instance, tomorrow, there are over 50, 60 college basketball games. There's also NBA games. There's also, um, you know, other, you know, FBS stuff going on with the playoffs. Figure out where you can find the most value where Vegas may have missed. Start with that, right? So there's that many college basketball games you've got to think that Vegas is not going to be spot on with over-unders and spreads accordingly with every single game. So start with that. Then look at something like FBS, where you might have an end. You might know something about one of these teams. Last year, Incarnate Word, for instance, You know, I'd watched them crazy enough three times during the year between YouTube and highlights and different things, and I knew their quarterback was insane. So I took the over and Incarnate Word, I hit both. A lot of people would have never known that, right? So you have to study it. You have to eat, sleep, and breathe it. And then I think a lot of it now with the in-game lines and all of the ability to watch a game, see a trend, know the way a game's going to go. Georgia-Alabama last week, I'll give you an example. A lot of people saw that first drive from Georgia and thought, oh, man, Georgia's going to blow them out. I had people in group text, Georgia's going to win by three, three touchdowns. I saw it the other way from the beginning. I took Alabama plus six early in the week. I took them again. And then after Georgia scored, I took a money line plus 480, right? So you sometimes can see a game going one way, and you have to stick with your gut and your initial reaction. So the in-game capacity has now changed a lot of it, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. Oregon-Washington didn't work out for me. because I thought, hey, Oregon comes back, they get up, there's no way they're going to give up this lead. It didn't work out for me georgia alabama i made up for it right with sticking with my gut so i think that's that's where the new age way of all of the different things you can bet in game constantly literally 24 7 have changed a lot of the way that you have to go about it
0: tim barker one of the most successful professional sports bettors in the world you can follow him at tim barker bets has been our guest uh, we have people asking online, Tim, if you're at a rooms to go right now uh, with that backdrop, which I found very funny with all the couches behind you. Did you buy this with your gambling winnings? This this warehouse you're in right now, this, this so, showroom.
2: This is one of my furniture locations that I own in North Carolina. There you go. So TDF furniture.
0: Yeah. There we go. Got the plug for it in and everything. I love so, it. It just, it
2: just shows you the housing market isn't isn't doomed. With gambling, that's right?
0: right. People are still buying furniture, whether they're renting or buying. They they need that furniture <laughs> in their apartment or their home. Tim, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for hopping on with us. Thanks, guys. Tim Barker at Tim Barker bets. If you want to follow him there, I, I'm fascinated by this analysis, and I like the the reel you put out in the video, Kelly. I I think it boils down to young people live in a virtual world, not not in a real world, and they grew up with it, and I. I, I'm of a generation. I, you are too. That it's like half of my life has been a part of the online world. I, I didn't have an email address until college, you know, as an example. And then the, the back half has been social media, a lot more things virtually, as opposed to reality. And, and kids today aren't living in reality; they're living virtually.
1: Yeah, it's very sad. Um, I am of the the same as as these uh, kids that are not getting married and having children. But I will be on the opposite effect when uh, all of the people that she mentioned either decide to sell or retire, move elsewhere. I will be contributing by buying houses because I think they're a great investment long term and perfect for your retirement portfolio. I don't understand it. Um, I mean, I have a niece that's only 11 years younger than me. And I have tried to have conversations about it and say, Hey, what are we doing here? Like, why aren't we taking advantage of these low interest rates? And now here we are with interest rates significantly higher. And now everybody's spooked to buy in reality, those kids were never going to buy to begin with. I think they have maybe commitment issues. I mean, hell, we can't even get them to watch a 92nd Instagram reel all the way through
0: former Navy quarterback, Kenan Reynolds will join us from Boston as we get ready for America's game. That's next. This is hot Mike across the outkick network.